It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, JT, with you. Hour number two on a Friday. Not a getaway Friday. I'm in town, not in Jacksonville. We'll be at the great M Resort Spawn Casino Sunday morning. Another wake-up call early coming off the weekend here uh, for Sunday for the Raiders pre- and post-game show. Eric Allen and I, Eric's so good, I know you know that, we'll be at the M in the Coos Light Zone right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. So if you want a Bloody Mary, you want a cup of coffee, you want to listen to the pre-game show, you want to listen on radio on Compass Media Networks, Raider Nation Radio, or just stop on by and say hello. These early games are interesting. You know, pregame show starts at 8 a.m. We're done about 9.40, 9.45, and then the game starts, and we look at this game, and we wait for the first, you know, quarter, hoping that there's not any type of chaos. And I'm not talking chaos, bad, doom and gloom for the Raiders. I don't want to mean by that. I just want the game to start off with something super dramatic, a turnover, the other team taking and scoring on the first drive. Everything that could go wrong this year has gone wrong this year. We've said it. Doesn't mean it can, it can be turned around. This is where it could start. But I'd like a calm Sunday. I'd like a Sunday where the game develops and the Raiders go up by 7, go up by 14, go up. You know, Jacksonville scores, the Raiders get the ball back and score again. And we got something to talk about on Monday here about the Raiders putting a strong game together. All right, my conversation with Coach McDaniels was interesting this week. It was when it was dark out here in Vegas as I headed over to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It was, I don't know, what time was it his time? It was 10 a.m., 7 a.m. our time that we talked to him yesterday. Uh, this interview with the head coach is brought to you by DeCastaverde Law Group our proud partner on Raider Nation Radio. I had coffee with Alex this morning over at Tivoli Village. Here, he's a phenomenal attorney. His brother, Orlando, great in town. They have a huge legacy with their dad's reputation. I saw the size of their elaborate big law group, and they're here to help. So if you get into any type of accident in the car, if you get injured, call DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. Alex is a huge Raider fan. He was really fired up over our coffee this morning. Maybe this will help my conversation with the head coach. Here's Josh McDaniels. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels in Sarasota, Florida. And coach, I'll jump right in. You addressed the team and the fans following the loss in New Orleans. How has the team reacted so far this week? We've had a good week. Uh, the energy and uh, I'd say urgency overall from our staff, our players, uh, is what we would want it to be, um, and we are determined to uh, finish out the week the right way here in Sarasota, and then head up to Jacksonville uh, and put a put a really competitive performance. Uh, you know that we expect ourselves to play well and coach well up there 
on Sunday against the Jaguars. All right, let's look at the Jaguars and talk about Coach Peterson and the style of play that he coaches. You've competed against him in the past. Let's talk about the coach and how much respect you have for him and the staff. Yeah, Doug has uh, always done a great job with his football team. Uh, we know they'll be ready to go. Um, you know, they play well in all three phases. Uh, they challenge you schematically. Uh, they got a lot of talent. Um, you can tell they're well coached with what they do, the techniques and fundamentals that they use. Um, and we know that, you know, they've, they've been ready to go all year long. They've gotten off to a fast start. Uh, it's one of the few teams that you can say has gotten the lead in uh, most every game they've played early. Uh, so you know they're ready to go. That's going to be a big point of emphasis for us as we head up there uh, for the game on Sunday. Yeah, their five losses, Coach, have been by eight points or less. And we've talked about this around the league, how it could change on one possession in a game. What do you see with the fight of this team? Because they've been in a lot of games that came down to the fourth quarter with under two minutes to go yeah and and that's what we should expect um you know this is this is a common uh theme for the league this year Mm -hmm. uh we've been a lot of close games they've been a lot of close games uh certainly had an opportunity uh to you know to to turn the tide here there with one or two plays uh during the course of their season um and they're they're they played a very uh, tight game last week with denver in london uh, and, and they're, you know, like I said, they're a well-coached football team. They'll be ready to go. We know that we're going to get their best shot, and, and that's what we, uh, we hope to provide, uh, uh, you know, up there on Sunday as well. Coach, I figure and I assume you really scouted Trevor Lawrence when he was in college and looked at him when he was coming into the league, number one pick overall. He's had some recent struggles, but when he's tall in the pocket and has time, the ball comes out quick. He can make every throw here. At times he checks down. When you've looked at the recent film or can go back, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, Trevor's uh, very, very talented. Um, you know, and we did we did a lot of work on him when he came out, you know, like we always do with the quarterback position. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that can make plays outside the pocket with his legs. He can also impact the running game. Uh, big physical kid, uh, got good speed, um, and also and he's he's really improving as a pocket passer. When he gets the throw on rhythm, playing his back foot, step into his throws, got a lot of big targets now in this offense uh, to throw the football to. Uh, I just see a young player who's continually improving, uh, making his football team better, making himself better. Uh, it'll be a big challenge for us on Sunday to try to slow him down. Uh, Travis, at the end, the last five games, but the last three, it was what we were talking about with Josh. Uh, with Josh Jacobs, when he had those power three games, we compared him to Marcus Allen. His last three games at the end have been really productive here out of the backfield, the guy that you got to tackle quickly before he gets out in space. What, do, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, Travis is, uh, you know, he's he, he, he's not exactly the same as Kamara, but he, he's got mm-hmm. some of those types of skills. Um, very good on the edge. Uh, if, you, if you lose track of setting the edge on the defense and he'll get the ball to the, to the perimeter in a heartbeat, uh, very, very good speed and very difficult to tackle. Uh, so this is going to be uh, everybody's at the point of attack. Uh, we're going to need really good team defense here. Uh, against Travis on on Sunday to just try to you know bottle him up and keep him from getting started. That's really the important part because once he gets going, uh, like I said, he's very good in space, very talented in space, and makes a lot of yards with the ball in his hand. Coach Christian Kirk leads the team with four touchdowns as a receiver. What do you think of their philosophy? They went out in free agency and they went after you know special players on the outside. They have this vision for long term, not just this year. What they want to do in the passing game with their receivers. No question. Um, you know, Adam Kirk and Zay Jones and Ingram and 
uh, you know, getting ATN back. Uh, this is a very talented, explosive team. Um, and you could tell that they, that's what they were trying to do is, is add those pieces to the offense uh, that they already had in place and put those guys around Lawrence. Um, you know, a lot of guys can do a lot of good things with the football. Uh, it's not just a one- or two-man show here. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to need to play very good team defense, uh, do a good job of communicating and making sure we're all connected uh, on Sunday so that we limit some of the big play production that they've been able to have. Coach, on their defense, I was with you in Canton, Ohio, and saw Trayvon Walker for the first time in Canton and what he did in that first game, Josh Allen. Uh, one of the numbers that jumped out at me as I talked to you a few weeks ago, the same number that Houston had when we talked, 19.8 a game, points a game on defense. And now that number's moved with Houston, but it's there with Jacksonville, one of the few teams that have given up less than 20 points a game. Just a big picture on what you see with their defense. Long, athletic, uh, very good in the rush game. Pass rush is very productive. They got multiple people that can get to the quarterback. Uh, their linebackers are very fast. Uh, this is probably the quickest, uh, fastest interior part of the defense that we've seen so far this year with their linebackers and safeties. Uh, they've, they've gotten their hands on an, uh, a number of footballs. I think it's 53 passes defense so far. Uh, in their in the eight games that they played, so this is a I guess this is an athletic team that can really capitalize on mistakes. Uh, they chase and run and play with tremendous effort on defense, which stands out, jumps out on you on the film. Uh, they really swarm to the football. They're playing well as a unit. Uh, they're well coached, and uh, like I said, it's going to be a big challenge for us to get off to a good start and then try to play a full four quarters against them. Coach, I know you want to thank your staff and everyone involved in moving the whole organization from not only Henderson to New Orleans to get out to IMG and Sarasota before Jacksonville. Can we spend a minute or two talking about what you're learning about this organization and staff, especially travel, as you make this big move out to uh, Florida? Yeah, there's so many people uh, that are part of our organization that do a tremendous job relative to making our lives easier. Uh, you know, the guys that set up all the equipment stuff uh, here and, and had all of our rooms set up the right way, our offices and our office space, the meeting rooms for the players, uh, the accommodations here at the Ritz have been tremendous. Uh, but our, I can't say enough about our support staff here uh, with the Raiders and, and this organization. They've, they've always made things as easy as possible on the players and coaches. Uh, and these things wouldn't be, ha wouldn't be happening if it weren't for all the people uh, that put it in so much hard, hard work and, and time and effort and energy to do it. Coach, I know you have a busy schedule. Thanks for the time. Good luck against the Jaguars. You got it, JT. Thank you. We appreciate the coach there. For a nice interview conversation, and he has a lot of knowledge, as you can tell, of the Jacksonville Jaguars and what needs to happen. No, I did not have him walk the plank. We did not shame him like in Game of Thrones and say, Coach, give us another four minutes of an apology to the Raider Nation. We don't do that. We're here to talk to the head coach who gives us 10 minutes once a week, talk about the opponent, what needs to happen, and I appreciate the coach for doing that in a really tight schedule very tight schedule that they had in Sarasota as today on Friday they're traveling over to Jacksonville. Well, I wish I could have went. This is where my in-laws are from, my wife's sister. I've had good trips there, but it didn't work out this time around. So Josh McDaniels, the head coach, you can see that interview at Raiders.com or you can find it on the TV show every Saturday night. My television interview airs with Coach on Raiders Report. It's on ABC here in Vegas right after the college football games. 
which are usually really big college football games on ABC. So thanks again to Coach for joining us. When we come back, a part of Raiders Roundtable. A queue was out this week. Eddie Pascal jumped in. So it was Eddie Pascal, myself, and Lincoln Kennedy. And wow, if you didn't hear this earlier on the Raiders mobile device or anywhere where you get Raiders content, Lincoln Kennedy's damn good. Oh, yeah. Stick around, Lincoln. We, we, we spent about 20 minutes with Lincoln, I believe. And Lincoln really did a deep dive and analysis on what happened in New Orleans. That's more of a New Orleans interview and a little bit of a preview with Jacksonville as we continue Friday. Always appreciate you listening. Bobby behind the board. F1 weekend. F1's in town. A year from now, it could be the biggest event in the history of Vegas. And we're excited to talk about that next week as I'll be going there on Saturday. This is the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on Friday. Hope you enjoyed that conversation or respect it or hear what Coach McDaniel says coming into this game against Jacksonville. So earlier this week on Tuesday, we were right there over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Podcast Center there, the beautiful studio. And Eddie Pascal jumped in. Eddie does a great job on the digital team. Check out all of Eddie's podcast at Raiders.com. He jumped in for Q. Lincoln Kennedy joined us. It's Raiders Roundtable on a Friday as we continue here. Here's the kickoff to what happened in New Orleans and what needs to happen in Jacksonville. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. JT, along with Eddie Pascal, who is in for Q, and Lincoln Kennedy coming up in a little bit here. As we thank you for joining us, we have a lot to get to. Obviously, the loss in New Orleans is a huge topic throughout the Raider Nation, and we'll preview the upcoming game in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. And Eddie, as we jump in, just a very disappointing loss on every level. The Raiders didn't fire. They weren't ready to play. They got blown out in this game. The stat sheet shows it. And the head coach, I give him credit, he apologized to the Raider Nation right after the game. This was something completely unexpected. Yeah, I think that's the, the best word for it. And Car- uh, Kevin Harlison at the end of the game, he goes, I'm, I'm stunned. I'm shocked. And yeah. I think for all of us in this building who have watched this team you know, for the past, what, seven, eight, nine weeks, I, I think... It was just shock. It was it was a bit of a surprise. I think that you go into Sunday and you understand this is the moment. And we've talked about it a lot. We, you and I have talked about it. Where last week was the moment on the schedule, and you never want to look past anyone. But last week was the time where you feel like you could get right, where the schedule is setting up in such a way where you're able to stack wins, where you're able to go week by week, but still the schedule the schedule is, is aligning to a place where you can start stacking Debbies in the win column. And unfortunately, the Raiders did quite the opposite of that. A, dis- a disappointing game on all three fronts, unfortunately. Yeah, it was very uncharacteristic. And I talked about this on Raider Nation Radio and being on the post game immediately following the show. It was a state of shock that how could this team in such a big spot with really everything on the line, this is when the Raiders really got to get on their horse and start knocking out two out of three, three out of four, whatever you want to do. One of the things we do on Raiders Roundtable is we don't look ahead. We're not looking four games down the road. It's got to be one at a time. And this team was preaching, the players especially, more so the players, that they were very close. 
they're not very close anymore. When you don't get past the 50-yard line until the end of the game with a backup quarterback and you can't get any momentum going, you can't scheme right, you can't protect, you can't block, you're not very close. So I think, Eddie, what jumps out at me, which is very unfortunate, is the Raiders went backwards. You hear one step forward, two steps back. This was worse than two steps back. Burn the tape is the term you hear. Let's look at it. Let's correct it. Josh McDaniels press conferences this week have explained that, but I'm just shocked that they weren't ready to play. The topic for me was, why weren't they ready to go the first five minutes of that game, and why was New Orleans popping on the sidelines, all up on the sidelines, ready to go? They wanted that game for Dennis Allen. They wanted to win that game, and they acted like it, and they deserved to win. Yeah, I think when you go back and you look at the game, you watch the broadcast in the L22, it did feel like there was an energy discrepancy between mm-hmm. the two teams, between the Saints and the Raiders. And I think for me, the, the bigger, kind of the big picture of Sunday's game now, and you and I have talked about this, I've talked about this with Jason Fitz, everyone on Raider Nation Radio, is we were, we were preaching patience to some extent, right? Like, hey, new scheme, first year with the new head coach, a lot of moving pieces. Give this team time to gel and figure it out. Well, unfortunately, that that time is gone now. Yeah, it's gone. The, Ra- the Raiders have their backs up against the wall, and without even talking about the postseason or anything like that, just to get right, the Raiders have to do it quick, fast, in a hurry, and it's got to start this Sunday against the Jags. Well, we'll look into it a little bit later on. One of the things we also do is we look around the league, and we'll get to that a little bit later on, and, and the, the league is a mess this year. There are so many teams. Look at Tom Brady losing yeah. three in a row. Aaron Rodgers and the streak that, you know, we're talking about one of the better teams, and they're a mess. The Niners, who are playing well, they're just at 4-4. Four and four. It's not like anybody's running away. I think when we talk about it later, it's Buffalo, Kansas City, the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys, and then there's 20 teams that I don't think are much better than the Raiders, but the Raiders lost that opportunity to be in the conversation. They forgave that opportunity now that they could say, you know, we're close, we're just, no, you're not. Now you got to get to Sarasota as we host this podcast. They are in Sarasota, and Eddie, I think it's the best thing that could happen to them. We try to sit here and go, was the bye week too early? The schedule's front-loaded, the schedule's back-loaded. We only have one primetime national game. I can tell you one thing I know for sure today on Roundtable is that they needed to get the hell out of here and get to Sarasota and have some type of moment where the captains of this team come together with the coaches and figure this out. And I think you hit the nail on the head there where it comes down to the leadership of this group yes. now. This is where when you're Derek Carr, you're Max Crosby, you're AJ Cole, Denzel Perryman, you are the guys that wearing the C's on their chest, which we Good saw point. for the first Great time on 20, or on, uh, in 2022 on Sunday. This is their time. Mm-hmm. And, and look, historically speaking, we know that Derek has the ability. He is a leader of men. He is the guy who can get this team going. Derek has, for better or for worse, had to answer questions that no professional athlete, no starting quarterback in the NFL need, that should have answered. He's been put in positions time and time again where you go, this isn't on number four. He shouldn't be having to speak to this. But what that has done, JT, it has put him in a position. It has given him the experience to go, to look at this roster, to look at this team and go, Two and five, that's, look, what, that's nothing for us. We know how we can get out of this hole, but it's going to come down to him. It's going to come down to Max. It's going to come down to the veteran leadership in that locker room to get this thing right. Look, I have no problem if the I'm not in the prediction business. I'm sure. not going to predict the score of the Jaguar game, but I know these are the games they're supposed to win. Because we went through the schedule, and there's a difference between Kansas City and a couple of the other teams on the schedule. And I think that the Raiders, if you look at what's happening as we look at the final stats, they were embarrassed in this game. They were embarrassed. The coach mentioned it, not us, on this podcast. The quarterback and the coach went right to the podium after that game, and they tried to clean it up quickly. 
And I think they did a commendable job doing it. It hurts. I've been in locker rooms. I've been in locker rooms when the Raiders have lost and won great games. This one was beyond a gut punch. This was one where every player on the team has to look to the locker next to them and say, what did you do? Why didn't you do this? Let's come together. Because if they don't, we know what happens next. This is the moment where they have to come together. Will they? We hope so, but being in Sarasota before Jacksonville, Eddie, having the opportunity to come together, be embarrassed in the game, as some insiders even were much more difficult on that than I am here, and they have to have that moment where you say, you look in the mirror and say, I'm a professional athlete, I'm making X amount of dollars, I'm one of the highest paid players at my position, it's my job, and and let's mention this too, it's important, the fans. We both interact with the fans. I can't tell you how many fans texted me from New Orleans, spent a lot of money on hotels, tickets to be there. That's not an easy trip. It's expensive. And they went there and they supported the team. And that's why I give Josh McDaniels a lot of credit. He apologized personally to the Raider Nation. He saw those fans there. There were 30 40% Raider fans, and they let the fans down. Now their job is to pick the fans up. You know, it's funny you bring that up. So my cousin is a, is a pilot for a domestic airline here, and he flew into New Orleans yeah. on Saturday, and he texted me. He goes, you have no idea how many Raiders fans are on this flight. Uh, and so I think, like you said, it speaks to the passion of the fans, the commitment of the fans, and they need to feel that back now. It has been a long time since they have had, especially in 2022, reason to smile, reason to celebrate. And the reality is Raiders are 2-5, and five, still a long season to go. A lot go, of football left. A lot of football get to, left to play. But being in Sarasota, and we look back on the story of 2022, JT, if there's a moment where we say, hey, this is where it turned around. This is where things got right. It has to be over the next 72 hours in, in Florida. I agree with you. Great point. And the fact that they came off the bye week, they scored 21 unanswered against Houston. They had momentum going to New Orleans, but something happened where they weren't ready to play at the level that they're expected to play, and now they have to do that in Jacksonville. And we'll get to Jacksonville and what's coming up with that next. Lincoln Kennedy will join us, one of the Raider leaders on the microphone and off the microphone, Lincoln Kennedy will give us his analysis from New Orleans on the way to Jacksonville. It's Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, Eddie Pascal, JT, and the great Lincoln Kennedy. Always good to talk to Lincoln, especially heading into a game as the Raiders are in Florida in preparation, and Lincoln will be in Jacksonville later on this week. And Lincoln, as we begin, just a performance that I can't wrap my head around. I just can't. I cannot believe that they weren't ready to play right out of the gate, that they weren't able to turn it around, turn the pace of the game around. You were there in the booth along with Jason Horowitz. First big picture on what happened with the game plan, what happened in New Orleans. Well, first of all, it's going to be with you guys. It's really disheartening and frustrating, the performance that we saw. Now, I've always been a guy who believes that coaches coach and players play. But in order for a team to be effective, everybody has to be functional on the same level. And I, I think it was a, a, an exhibition Sunday that that wasn't the case. Not only did the players not execute as well as I thought they would, 
But more importantly, I didn't think the coaches did a good job either. I, I thought the coaches, you know, failed to make adjustments when you figure out what teams are doing to you. Look, the, the game is four quarters for a reason. You go into a game and usually as on, on offense, you have the first couple of plays scripted because you want to see how a defense is going to play you. And when a defense, the way you see the defense plays you or how they're handling you, even, you know, the timeout, you make adjustments as you go along. I didn't see that. I, I think the Raiders stuck with the same game plan on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, throughout the game, and it became disastrous. They didn't have an answer for how the Raiders, how the defense was going to play the, the their offense. When they took Josh Jacobs out of the game, they loaded the box. You didn't have an answer for that. There's nothing that you could do uh, to, to, to commend that or to go against that. On defense, they didn't have an answer for Taysom Hill. They didn't have an answer for Alvin Kamara. They didn't even have an answer for Chris Olave, the receiver. So you allowed the other stars to shine um, in, in, in your efforts. And to me, I, I thought it was just a, a poor execution all around. You know, Lincoln, looking at the Raiders offense and, and look, we can be honest, it hasn't been perfect for the Raiders offense in 2022, far, you know, very far from it for large portions. But week in and week out, especially over the past month, it feels like we've known the identity of the Raiders offense and give the Saints credit because they took that away. They got the, the Raiders out of sync. They were, you know, behind the chains. They were just off, for lack of a better term. Like when you went back and, and you watched the game and obviously seeing it live, like what really did the Saints do to make Josh a bit of a non-factor and then to make Derek Carr and, and those wide receivers as comfortable as they did? So here's the thing. The Raiders, when they want to run the ball, they, they, kind, of, they, they kind of send signals ahead of them, the smoke signals ahead. They load up the box with either an extra tight end or a fullback. Uh, and, and what the Saints did is they brought the safety down the box. They made it an eight man box. They loaded the box. They shot the gaps, uh, and took Josh Jacobs away. They took the holes away. The Raiders are not a good one back running team. We've seen that, you know, the, the, we, we've also seen how they, they've tried to execute that, but never really developed that. So they, they show the signs. More importantly, when they know that you want to go to Devontae Adams, the way the Saints played him is they played what we called a, a bracket or a trail technique where the corner trails him and there's a safety help over the top, which makes it a harder window to throw in. You don't, you, you got to show someone else. Look, the Raiders need Darren Waller back. There's no doubt about it. They got to have somebody else to stretch the field. Um, I, I, I love Hunter Renfro and what he does, but we've seen how teams have focused on him when they know that Derek's going to go to him. So now that you know, the, who your usual suspects are for the Raiders offense, and you have ways to design to take them away, you have to make adjustments. So what I saw, you know, from the Saints do, from the Saints standpoint, they stick with the same game plan of covering Devontae Adams all game. They're going to play the trail technique. They're going to make it hard for you to get a window to throw to them. You got to have something else in. Either whether you have to go to Mac Collins or you got to find someone else to develop, you got to go somewhere else. And when you take away Josh Jacobs loaded in the box, you got to find a way to throw the ball. You got to find a way to get guys open. They're, they're, these are certain adjustments. So, you know, to your point, uh, Eddie, is, is one of those things where it, it's at this particular point in the season, after the bye week, and of course they've got another week in Florida, they should have had, to me, a better strategy because we've seen this before. The Chargers did it in week one. They did very similar things that to take away Devontae Adams in week one. And then we've seen times where Devontae Adams has big games or other guys have had big games, and we just have to go, try to get back to that or find a way to, to, to tap into that more. Well, Lincoln, the, the scheme is unacceptable because right. I talked about it leading up to it with your former teammate Eric Allen. 
everybody could tell that Dennis Allen was going to take Josh Jacobs out of the game. He's a defensive coordinator head coach now, and the one thing he wasn't going to do was let Josh Jacobs have another Marcus Allen game. Another game where it's the four greatest games in the history of the Raiders. They were going to stuff the box, and I thought it was critical when Waller warmed up and we thought that Waller wasn't going to go, then he's inactive, and it changed the game, as you nailed it, because he's not there, and he demands a double team. So you have a double on Waller, you have a double on Devontae, and that opens it up. And I'm surprised that the Raiders weren't able to adjust to it. How does Hunter Renfro, in a game, come through a game and have one reception for six yards? Forget about Devontae. You nailed that perfectly. Where is the three-yard in? The six-yard out route? Him in motion. He was wide open last year, Every time he left the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was double teamed and breaking off double teams. It seems like Hunter is not involved in the game plan at all unless it's a broken play and Derek's checking down to him. How do you see it with Hunter Renfro? Well, you know, to your point, JT, the, the, the instance where he did try to go to Hunter Renfro and was picked off, Tyron Matthew read Derek Carr's eyes beautifully, fell back into the present. And, and then on that interception, when you slow it down and watch the replay that the, the Saints had, there were three players around Hunter Renfro, so they know that you're going to go to him. The thing is, is that I, I, what we've seen, what has transpired so far, is I believe that there are direct coaching points that are going to Derek Carr, and he's specifically looking for who you told him to look for. It's not necessarily progression. It's who you're telling him to focus on. Get the ball to Devontae. Get the ball to Darren. Get the ball. And then in 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 the haste, or an eruption, he's, you know, maybe check down to Josh Jacobs or check down to his back or check down to, to Foster Moreau, however it comes out. But it, it, it's been to me, it's been a direct implication of what the play was designed to do. And you're focused on that. And if it's not there, it's empty. You know, like regardless of scheme of play design of all that, I mean, and I don't care if you're Joe Montana, Derek Carr, or someone in between, if you are consistently under pressure like DC was really for the full 60 minutes or, you know, 53 that he played, it's hard to do anything. I mean, that Saints defense, we came into Sunday, a team that gave up a lot of points, statistically speaking, towards the bottom quartile of every defensive metric, but they made life miserable for Derek in that offensive line. Like, what did you see from them, from those big foes up front that just, it seemed like from Jump Street uh, Link, they were in Derek's business and they stayed there the entire afternoon. Eddie, it's no surprise that the Raiders have a problem protecting Derek Carr. It, it's been that case all season. And you talk about the Saints who've got a pretty good front four that can generate pressure no, notoriously. You know, you you got to go into the game situation understanding it. Look, if you want to go max protection, with which the Raiders did, when they're going to keep two extra blockers in to help on the edges, okay, so be it. You have to develop a system to where you can get your eligible three receivers open. It's not just going to be one-on-one matchups. You got to get them open. The Saints didn't need to blitz. They didn't need to blitz. And even when they brought a pressure, it was maybe considered a five-man pressure. The Raiders have had offensive line issues all year. This is not a surprise. So, you know, to keep Derek protected, one thing is you got to find a way to get the ball out of his hands quicker. You've got to develop that where you're 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 no longer sitting there holding on the ball. And if there's no run action, there's no play action. So you abandon that. You can't sit there and try to go play action when you have no success running the football. Those are the adjustments that that frustrate me mostly because I know the the holes that this offensive line has, has shown, and, and and it's been notorious. And when the Raiders try to keep in either a tight end or a tight end in a back, that means you only have three eligible receivers out there. You have to create a system where you can get the those eligible receivers out there open and you get the ball out of Derek Carr's hands. Well, I want to stay with that because I think this is really important with Derek. I always said he's a great athlete. He's not a good athlete. He could be a great athlete outside the pocket. 
Why is the pocket not being moved? On third and short, a sprint right, just moving the pocket, bringing maybe Hunter or someone across the field, an easy pitch and catch. I'm surprised the pocket isn't moving, especially in a game like that, that they were teeing off on him. He had no chance. And Lincoln, they failed in regards to pass protection because the last couple of weeks we talked about how great the offensive line was in run blocking. They had guards pulling and mashing people. Then they had a real big test against Cam Jordan in that defense, and their linebackers are fantastic, and they didn't pass that test. What about moving the pocket or getting the ball out quicker? I know it's hard to do, but Derek, I think the up-tempo thing that you and I talk about off the air all the time, can you play faster? Can you do something to make it easier with Derek these upcoming weeks against Jacksonville, Indy, the rest of the schedule, to make it free and more comfortable for Derek to get in the rhythm? This is where you miss Darren Waller the most, okay. the crossing routes. The ability to to do a bootleg or, or 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 a rollout to where you're moving to one section and JT and Eddie, when you do that, typically you're 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 having or quartering the field. So let's let's just imagine Derek faking the handoff and rolling out to his right. Now you basically have the field. You've got to have everything in the right. Usually teams do what we call layer uh, route running. You have one short, you have one intermediate, you have one long. You have a long angle route. And the crossing routes are very hard for defenses to defend. But you need speed in order to do that. In the past, the Raiders have had Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, uh, as well as maybe a, a short check down on those types of layers. Without that, they have not developed. We haven't seen it. And to your point, JT, as far as moving the pocket, you know, I think they're certainly able to do that and want to do that. I just don't think that be- because you, you can't establish a run, there's no a play action that's effective where people aren't going to take those routes away. You know, Link, we've talked a lot about the offense for good reason. Anytime you are shut out, whether it's in peewee football, high school, whatever, it's going to be a, a big topic of conversation, as it should be for the silver and black this week. But if we shift to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, 24 points. Uh, and for, you know, by and large, Link, for the past month in particular, it felt like it's Max Crosby out there with the engine that never stops, getting home, being productive, being disruptive. But he needs some help, doesn't he? And I know that Chandler Jones uh, has, by and large, been disappointing in what we've seen on the field. But, like, what else is on this team? What else is in Patrick Graham's defense to give Max Crosby a little bit of help? This style of defense leaves a number of holes open in the middle of the field. Okay? So you've got to have a better presence from your linebackers as far as coverage. More importantly, you got to do a better job at covering crossing routes. And we've seen this team be, the defense be exploited by crossing routes. Uh, and, and teams that cross the receivers or, or, or try to scramble the receivers, guys get lost in space because of the amount of real estate. So to your point, Eddie, when it comes to the defense, the defense has got to do a better job, not only generating pressure with their front four. We've seen, we know what Max Crosby can do, but he's got to have help. Uh, and I don't necessarily think they have the interior presence that defensive tackle to generate that. It's got to come from the ends. And more and more importantly, whether it's Chandler Jones or Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby are listed as outside linebackers in this defense, they're forced to do things that not necessarily indicative or generating pressure. And if you bring a nickel blitz, then you definitely have to cover up on the end. But if you look at what the Saints did against the Raiders, it wasn't it wasn't spectacular. They they put Alvin Kamara in space, and the Raiders didn't have an answer for him. They, you know, they, they, he had choice routes. The Raiders didn't have an answer for him. They tried with uh, Diablo at first to cover him over the middle. Too much space, too, too much uh, real estate for a linebacker to try to cover a, a, a capable running back like that out of the backfield. And more importantly, you know, when it came down to third down and nines, they forced the, the Saints into situations, simple out routes, simple timing routes 
because your corners haven't really been tested or your corners are playing such so far over the cushion, they're getting space. So, you know, the, to answer your question, I, I knew this defense coming into the season was going to be a work in progress because there were so many questions. How, what, what were they going to do with Jonathan Abram's space? How were they going to play the safeties when they didn't really truly have two safeties? You know, they brought in Harmon. Merrick has been a little bit on, on the men and, and playing in, in, in a little bit of a hybrid role, if you will, but he's still trying to find his space in open coverage. Um, Nate Hobbs, the loss of him on IR has really hurt this team, especially in the secondary. So you, you have to have, have to have other guys step up and play in really a difficult situation when you're playing that tight man and you don't have over the help coverage. You know, you got you can only imagine playing in that much space with these speedy receivers in the NFL, how difficult it is. So the the answer to your question, in my opinion, is you got to find a way to generate pressure and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker rather than allow them to sit back and, and survey the field. Well, we're gonna stay on that because Jonathan Abram had 34% of the snaps. His snap count went down. I talked to Josh McDaniels last week about the three safety technique and what they're doing with that big nickel, and it failed. It just failed. And they couldn't guard Kamara. And they knew coming in that the game plan was not Andy Dalton. The game plan was Taysom Hill and Kamara. That was the only game plan they had. Dennis Allen, as we said, is a defensive coach. And they just kept going back to those guys because the Raiders couldn't adjust. Another hot button for me, Lincoln, on this is the fact that they don't cover. And they don't cover the middle of the field. And this is no longer a trend. This is a fact. Every team knows it in the league. And I'm surprised by that. Mike Haynes isn't walking into this room. Lester Hayes isn't walking into this room. They don't have a Ted Hendricks on this team. The issue is, why is the coverage so soft? Man-to-man, it's soft. And in the zone, it's soft. So I don't understand why they're, they're concerned about getting beat man-to-man. You explain to me why these corners can't play man-to-man. And if they get beat, they get beat. I get it, but the cushion that you just talked about is really bothersome. The cushion that receivers are getting 8 to 10 yards, and then what these receivers are doing, from my perspective, they're just heading to the middle of the field because there's no one in the middle of the field, and the linebackers haven't been able to cover, and it happens week in and week out. And I thought with the safety scheme they had, one of the safeties would step up, like Deron Harmon did, to ice that game and make a play or two. You can't stop at Lincoln until playmakers make plays. If you watch the defense with the safeties, even with Harmon, and, and you watch even the, the single high coverage scheme, the fact is, JT, he's more of like a center fielder mm-hmm. rather than a safety. I mean, he's sitting back there, he's surveying the eyes, and that pick six he had in Houston was phenomenal because he did exactly what you're supposed to do. You're, you're a deep cover safety, and you're watching the eyes of the quarterback, and when they try to take a long strike, then that's when you're able to step in. The the You know, it's not having a large enough sample size with the defensive backs, the corners that we have, as far as knowing them and watching them, I don't know if they're good man coverage guys or good zone coverage guys. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. There's a difference in scheme. There's a difference in personnel. There's a difference in attitude. If you understand the personnel that you have in front of you and your Roxasine and Averett, you know, we haven't seen enough sample size. They were inconsistent because they were hurt you know, in preseason, they didn't really see anything preseason. So during a regular season, it's just being out there. I didn't come into this season thinking that we had a lights out or shut down defense. I said we needed to have more effectiveness out of our offense and the scheme where you're scoring more touchdowns mm-hmm. because you have to stay on pace with those high-powered offenses. It wasn't going to be a shutout defense. Never thought about that. Never thought that. And I thought, you know, I knew what we had in Max Crosby. I was hoping that we would get more out of Chandler Jones. And that, but with that being said, is that the, the ability to have like the New Orleans Saints show 
rushing with your front four, you don't have to blitz. You can play coverage combinations. You can do everything different on the back end. You can, you can do structure things on the back end because you know you'll get rushed on the quarterback or the quarterback's going to get rid of the ball uh, out, of, out of his hands. Not having that luxury when teams focus on Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is ineffective, you don't have a rush. Quarterbacks can sit there back there and survey the field, or they can run around like a you know chicken with their head cut off, like Kyler Murray, because there's there's nothing that you can do to, to bring them down. So you know it, it's it's frustrating in a sense where you don't have a large enough sample size to know what the product you have on the football field to know what these guys are really capable of doing. And when you put them out there, you see them get beat, you end up coming to a loss. You're scratching your head and, and going back to the drawing board as to what you can do. Well, like, I mean, at this point, the Raiders don't have the luxury of trying to figure it out anymore, right? I mean, they right. need to they need to figure out what they are effective at, and they need to figure it out pretty immediately. And, and we saw what Alvin Kamara did to this Raiders defense on Sunday, but it feels like Kamara 2.0 is not what the Raiders are going to see this upcoming Sunday in Jacksonville with Travis Etienne. I mean, if you were defensive coordinator Patrick Grambling, what do you do to try to take him out of this game? I mean, because you, you saw what Kamara did. Whatever you did against Kamara was ineffective. How do you learn from that experience and say, hey, we're not going to have the same thing beat us two weeks in a row? Well, the only thing is that you're going to have to generate pressure quickly to get the ball out of, out of their hands. And you're going to have to bring blitzes. And that means you're going to put on the back end, you're going to force your guys to cover. The Raiders have got to do a better job of covering in space whether they're on or off the ball, you know, line of scrimmage, got to do a better job of covering space. And more importantly, they've got to find a way to, to to generate pressure without having to bring the house, if you will. So I don't know if this whole two safety, three safety system is going to work necessarily going into this week, but you've got to find a way to generate pressure. Lincoln, I think it's really important as we look at the Jaguars to talk about Trevor Lawrence. And I talked to a Jaguar insider this morning who knows this team well, and he walked me through the problems with Trevor Lawrence. First off, the Urban Meyer debacle, right? It ruined the kid for a year. Urban Meyer didn't even get on a plane with him after a game. So he was not shattered because he's a tough kid, but now Peterson comes in with a Super Bowl to try to turn it around. He overthrows everyone, and he throws a lot of checkdowns in the flat. And he's very erratic, and this could set up nicely for the Raiders. The Raiders have no choice now, as Eddie said. It's go time. Etienne is Alvin Kamara. It's a great point by Eddie. Now you got Trevor Lawrence, who has little to no experience in this league. Close to none. And he's failed because they started off 2-1, and one and everybody in Jacksonville like, wow, they're out of the gate strong. They've won a couple of games. This is our year. And they're a year to win seven or eight games and take that next step. Now they're pinned back, and their season's on the brink. And I think it comes down to Trevor Lawrence. He's either going to have a game against the Raiders because he saw what happened in the New Orleans game, or the Raiders are going to have that moment where they step up and there's a couple of tip balls, turnovers, and they take him and they ruin him in this game. I think this quarterback is very dangerous. He had a great college career, but what do you see when you're breaking down film of Trevor Lawrence? You got to harass him. You got to get to him early and often, JT, and you know that he's going to take checkdowns, and you'll be fine with that if you're third and nine and you're able to tackle him before they get you know first down or whatever on a checkdown. But you got to harass him. You got to get in his face and make him make him very uneasy and 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 uncomfortable back in the backfield. You can't allow him to survey the field. Look, for what it's worth. And I said this to, to people, you know, Davis Mills from the Houston Texans comes into the house and has a pretty damn good game. Yeah. And, and then you go, you step up now. Andy Dalton is, is far more better than Davis Mills. He, Andy Dalton did do much this, from the Saints quarterback standpoint, but he did enough to, to put him over the top. Timely throws, got the ball out of his hand, knew where he wanted to go with the football early and often. They had a plan for him. Now you go into Trevor Lawrence 
who's a young quarterback and, as you said, and I agree with you, has been scarred in a few ways early in his career. And we know how trying to, you know, getting comfortable as a quarterback, how difficult that is, especially when you're a number one overall pick. So the best way to not make him comfortable is is to get harass him and harass him early, get to him early. And whether you're in his face or you're threatening that you're in his face where he wants to get rid of the football and not hold on the football, you make him make, you know, a, a slight un, a, a uneasy decisions, if you will, JT and, and Eddie, and you force him to get the ball out of his hands. That's why you have to harass him early and often. You know, and especially, I think you bring up a great point, Link, where he is a young quarterback. He's a second-year guy, and JT brought up a great point, where that first year is essentially a wash yeah. through no fault of his own, no, but no. it is a wash. So if you're Patrick Graham, Link, do you go into this game knowing, hey, we got an inexperienced guy back there, a talented guy, but a dude who hasn't seen all that much on an NFL football field, and do you ratchet up your intensity? Do you get more creative with your blitzes and what you're showing him simply because he hasn't had the experience to see a whole lot of that yet, just yet? I would have certainly hoped so. I would certainly hope so you show that you do something different than the traditional nickel blitz that the Raiders have shown all season, whether it's Abram or Harmon coming off the edge. And then in, in the past, it's been also been Nate Hobbs, but he's not available. So the, I would want you to do something different. If you're going to load the box with Jonathan Abram and try to show that you're going to take the run away, then you might make sure that you bring the blitz from someone else that, that the, the other teams won't be expecting. Well, I want to wrap it up with this, as we always thank Lincoln. This was a tremendous segment. Lincoln gave us everything. You know, not too long ago when I was on the sidelines for the Raiders in Oakland, Lincoln, before games at home, would do this 10-yard walk right before the game started. he just walked 10 yards, and the other team would look. And the energy that he had pregame, I don't know what it was, why you did it, but you would do that, and no one would go near him. And he was focused. He was just locked in. We better see that in Jacksonville. I don't know if it's Colt Miller. I don't know if it's Perryman. Somebody better be up on the sideline, ready to go, because it wasn't like that in New Orleans, Lincoln, and you'll be able to see that. Uh, Last one, what do you expect to see intensity level when this team takes the field in Jacksonville on Sunday? I'm hoping for it to be ramped up like that Max Crosby level. Good. Because to, to, to speak on that, you know, what you just talked about, you know, I was focused back in the day focused on the game time. And when we were out there in the presence in the stadium and the, and the attitude and the feeling of the fans, I wanted to make sure I was ready to go. So I didn't, I, I limit, limited my distractions. I've seen that type of focus out of Max Crosby. I haven't seen that t- type of focus out of this team unanimously. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that they find a way to find that presence. You know, it's parts, it's bits and spaces. It's, you know, pl- players every now and then, but unanimously on a team, I haven't seen that. And I think that's really what this Raider team is lacking. Now, I don't know how you, you get that, JT and Eddie, if whether it's coming from the coaches. For me, it was inner driven. Yes. And I tried to expose it to other players. And I, and I think I thought I did a pretty good job of that. But with this team, I don't know who does that in the locker room. I don't know who brings that. I appreciate Josh McDaniels apologizing for the performance of the team in New Orleans. But we've expected better. We, we want better. We deserve better. And I'm speaking of the Raider Nation and everybody that covers this team, including you guys and me. We, we deserve better. We don't need to see performances like that because, as you guys mentioned earlier in the podcast, it looks like both sides were ill-prepared, ill-prepared the players and the coaches. And we don't deserve that, especially this, uh, this time of the season. We always thank Lincoln Kennedy for joining us. When we come back, we'll go around the AFC West when we continue on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union.
We're wrapping up Raiders Roundtable. And, Eddie, as we take a look at what's coming up next, uh, the Jaguars in London, that's their home field. That's what they want to do. They want to be London. And Russell Wilson doing the high knees on the flight got the win there. I can't believe the Chargers Chargers are playing poorly, but they got four wins. And Denver is there with three. The Raiders lost a golden opportunity to get their third win here. But I watched the game, and the Jaguars are struggling, and Denver got a much-needed win. They needed that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we talk about the, the state of the AFC West, which is outside of the Chiefs, a little muddled and confusing. But all the same, we, we talked about it earlier, the runway for the Raiders in 2022 is gone, right? Regardless of talking about the postseason, going on a run, whatever. If you want to be relevant and playing good football, it has to start this Sunday in Jacksonville. Well, the schedule opens up beautifully for them. We said that it started in New Orleans with Andy Dalton. It goes to Jacksonville, a two-win team, and then a quarterback change with Indy at home, a home game. And then Denver, it was really struggling. They're not going to be much better by then, but Denver could get better. As we wrap this up here, Raider Nation Radio, you can check us out every day, weekdays there with all of our content from Morning Drive up to Q, who will be back. What do you got going on the podcasting network? Yeah, I mean, the podcast network featuring JT the Brick and Q featuring yeah. everyone is, uh, is up and running and hot and I just encourage everyone to go to Raiders.com. We got you covered in Florida for the week as we talked about the team in Sarasota getting ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars and JT really getting ready for, ready for I don't think it's a stretch to say, the most pivotal game of 2022 well, for the Las Vegas. Everybody's there for a reason. Yep. The, the decision was to bond no matter what. Now it's bonding off a really tough loss and trying to pick it up and get going again. There'll be Raider fans in Jacksonville. That whole region of Florida has got the game, so they'll be there. There'll be fans there, and the Raiders need to bounce back. So for Eddie Pascal, I'm JT. Thanks to Lincoln Kennedy, and we look forward to talking to you next week on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. Appreciate you listening to the Raiders Roundtable, listening all week here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody. I got one of my good friends coming into town in about an hour. Got to pick him up over at the airport. I call it the airport. Sorry, everybody. I call it the Vegas airport. I'm going to go pick up one of my best friends who's coming out for F1. Going to have a great dinner tonight over at Virgin Hotels here in Las Vegas. Over at One Steakhouse with my buddy J.O.D. Maybe get an espresso martini over at Olive's with Rudy at the bar there. Love that over at Olive's. And hope you have a great weekend as I toast one for you. Uh, a week from now on Friday, we got a remote at Cafe Americano as the Indianapolis Colts come to town. We'll give you more information on that next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Sunday at the M on the Raiders pregame show. Go Raiders.